Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Well, Hysterics, a little bit of news. Just wanted to let you all know that we are powered by Pigs. I started low. I started low. You did. It it went, it was kind of red the whole way. There's, I mean, people will hate it. You think? I think Jeff Dix will hate it. No, there's been a couple more. Oh, really? There's been a couple more. It's a polarizing thing for sure. More so than the theme song? Oh, wait. Everybody loves the theme song. More so than the. Guess what? I was down in the South Bay with Paul Barrere, uh, your friend and mine, and uh, his two young children were there, and they did a beautiful rendition of the Hoosier Hysterics theme song for me. Small children singing the Hoosier Hysterics theme song. It was beautiful. God bless them. Uh, I also want to say that um, just a quick update for those of you that listened to the Todd Leary episode. My ex-wife, Mandy, listened to the podcast uh, with me. We listened to it together. Uh, She was mortified, but also said afterwards that uh, it wasn't nearly as bad as she remembered it. (laughs) She probably blacked out a little bit. Yes, definitely. And then a day later called me and said, do I really sound that country? (laughs) I've never thought she sounded country. I told her she's country. I told her she's from Martinsville, Well, I mean, she's from Martinsville. Yeah, she's country. But she's, she's... She's an L.A. gal these days. Quick funny story. Yeah. When you and I were at school together at Indiana and studying theater, and we were both in a Shakespeare play together. The Winter's Tale. I was not using an accent of any kind during rehearsals, and then the director told me, you have to start using an accent. And and my character was an old shepherd. And and he and I go, what accent am I going to use? I don't want to do this stupid Shakespearean. He's like, no, 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 you're an old shepherd. I go, well, what voice do you want me to use? He goes, have you ever been to the Walmart in Martinsville? <laughs> and I said, actually, I have. And he said, talk to anyone who works there. That's the accent you want to use for this play. And I go, well, that's good because my girlfriend works at Walmart in Martinsville. That was Mandy, my future wife. Did Howard's face just drop? Yeah, totally. He started chewing his pen real aggressively. Uh, Anyway, let's get at this one. This is going to be a good one. It will. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Hysterics Nation, Eric why don't you tell them who we're going to talk to right now? Because it's cool. This is one I've been really excited for because in the last you know, 15 years of Indiana basketball, 
there's been some real low points. And when we got out of the lowest of low points was when this gentleman really spearheaded kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And his career at Indiana is one that was uh, filled with obstacles that never stopped him from pursuing his lifelong dream of being a basketball player. And I always admired and respected that. So I'm really excited to talk to this gentleman who, coming out of high school, was a first-team prep school All-American. He was a top 60 recruit by every recruiting service you could find. His freshman year at Indiana, he finished shooting from three-point line 44.8%, which is third all-time behind only Calbert Chaney and Jay Edwards. That's the company that this gentleman was in. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the silky smooth three-point shooter, Maurice Creek. Welcome, Mo. Hey, how you doing? Appreciate the welcome. Of course. Where, where are you at? What's going on? Well, right now, um, in the summertime, always, uh, I train and uh, – I also train kids, so I'm at a camp right now uh, training kids and uh, just trying to give back to, you know, I, I've always admired training kids just because of the fact that I was once that kid. So um, it's always feel good to give back to some some kids these days. How so, old are the kids that you're working with? Um, You know, they're from middle, I mean, from elementary school on up to high school. Uh, uh, Pat who trained me as a kid usually uh, has a camp that goes from uh, June to September. And uh, I usually work it every year and I'm just here just helping him out with all these kids that's in here right now. It's about 75 kids. And he also has a lot of other guys in here working with him too. So it's just fun. And that's, that's back home in Virginia is where you are. Yeah. It's in Maryland, rock, uh, Rockville, Maryland. Okay. The, the DMV the DMV area. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Mo, let's, uh, we like to take a step back and, and go back to the beginning. Uh, when did you start playing basketball as a kid? Well, I started playing basketball at the age of four years old. Um, I started training as a four-year-old, and uh, it was when I met my stepfather. Uh, he, he bought me a hoop when I was three and going on to four. So um, that's when I started treating the game like it was a business and uh you know he's always been my trainer ever since then wait so at at literally like four five six years old you knew that like i gotta be serious about this game yeah i mean when i was training with him like i i took basketball seriously anyway it just showed how much i took it seriously by how much of, of a grand that i put in um it started from uh my grandfather's house in the back of a hill and um uh, you know, just shooting on the top of the hill for six, seven hours at a time and him out there with me. And, you know, it was it was always about being the best at what you want to be. And, uh, you know, we always treated it like that and um, still treat it like that to this day. Were there players or teams, NBA players, college players, that when you were a kid that you really looked up to and admired their game? Um, when I was a kid, you know, I watched Michael Jordan. He was around my era, so... Uh, when I started to watch him, I admired his game, how hard he worked. As I got older and Michael Jordan retired, I uh, admired another guy, Trace McGrady. That was really my favorite player just because um, his style was like mine. He was a great shooter. He was athletic. Um, he was tall. 
and I uh, I feel like I wanted to be like him as I had got older. And was this something from those very early days? The dreams were always of playing college and professional basketball. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm doing this because it's fun and it's what I'm passionate about. Did you always know that you wanted to take it beyond the the normal scope of a, a kid playing a sport? Oh, of course. Um, the first thing my father asked me before he even trained me was, do you want to be good at the game or do you want to be great at the game? And I told him I wanted to be great. And I already knew growing up as a kid that I wanted to play professional basketball and college basketball and I knew how hard it was going to be to get to that stage and um you know we worked every day to get to where I achieved today um where uh where was your mom in this too was your mom supportive of your basketball uh oh, yeah. ambition oh yeah yeah she was everybody was supportive of, of my basketball career my whole family um we're a sports family we love sports and uh my mom, she played basketball, softball, and she was a cheerleader growing up, so she knew a lot about the game. And my father, um, my biological father played basketball, and my stepfather played basketball and football. And uh, so we we grew up at this, and uh, she always was at my games. She was my biggest critic. Her and my stepfather were my biggest critic. and it was, just, But it was uh, out of love, and... You know, they wanted me to be the best player I could be. Um, even if I had a great game, they would always tell me what I could did, what could have did better. And it made me a better person and a better basketball player. Now, what we just received uh, for, for next year's class, for 2020, a recruit named Trey Galloway coming out of Culver Military Academy. You attended a military academy uh, there in Virginia. What what? Why did you guys decide uh, to to have you attend there? How much of that was a, a basketball decision, and how much was it about a, like a life discipline decision? Uh, it was half and half. Um, yeah, I went to Hargrave Military Academy, and the Hargrave was all was one of those academies where you already knew it was about basketball because um of how many championships they already had, how many people went to that school. That went to the pros and um, also, you know what I'm saying, went to prestigious colleges. And um, on the discipline side, you knew it was going to be hard just because of the fact it's a military school. And I, I, I wasn't growing up in the, to the military, so it was somewhat wavering for me because I had to learn the military way. Um, but it was great for me. It, it taught me discipline. It taught me – it became – I became a man doing that. You know what I mean? So – um, more of a man than I was beforehand, and uh, I understood life a little bit more than what I've already understood about it just by going to that military school. So I appreciate going to Hargrave Military Academy. It was it wasn't always fun. It wasn't the brightest of days, but at the same time, it was something that I I can say I really do appreciate just because of the fact that it taught me so much about basketball and about life. I remember as a kid watching like TV movies about boys military academies and they scared the living hell out of me. How <laughs> how scary was Hargrave? Um I don't think it was scary. I think Hargrave was more so of just more is just more disciplined than anybody could ever imagine. Um waking up five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning to go eat breakfast and you had to get up for breakfast, you had to 
you know what I'm saying, take these classes that you had to go to basketball. You know what I'm saying? It was it was way more disciplined than I ever had in my life, honestly, as far as school. But again, I do appreciate it because it it teaches you that that life structure that you might need and um to get through. Not even just basketball, anything. Honestly, you know, it just the way of life and. Um, like I said, I just appreciated it for that. And uh, like I said, on the basketball end, we, it was just always a prestigious basketball program. I played against Hardgrave when I was at South Kent, and they were number one in the country. And they actually won a championship that year. And, uh, you know, Coach Keats called my parents, and, you know, they gave us an opportunity to go there. And uh, I took it just because I knew how great that program was. I'm a 41-year-old guy who still cannot make his bed in a really, like, neat fashion. And whenever I see anything about the military, it is like those guys know how to make a bed. Did you have to learn how to make your bed so it looks like you could just, like, eat, eat like, a state dinner off of that thing? <laughs> well, at, at that school, yeah, I had to learn how to make my bed. You could not go to your uh, to your programs or anything until that bed was made it, it taught me how to really do that because I ain't know how to properly make a bed myself yes. and now I don't even remember how to do it now honestly <laughs> but, uh, but uh, when I was there again it just taught me so much that I had never understood or knew and um, they said when you, when you make your bed in the morning uh you know what I'm saying? You was preparing yourself for a great day. Hmm. And um, I never understood that. I was like, well, if I don't make my bed, I'm preparing myself for a great day. But <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you make, when they say when you make your bed, it's like you're putting in the work already in the morning when you don't have to or feel like it. And uh, that's one thing I learned. But, I mean... Now, I don't even – I mean, I make my bed sometimes, but I don't do it all the time like how I used to do it at Hargrave. But, but do you uh, do you feel better? Like, because uh, my wife tries to get me to do it if I'm the last one out of bed, and I do feel better if I do it, but I still don't always do it. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things where that, that, that's, what, I guess, where the discipline comes in. It's like if you do it, you may feel better out your day don't do it i don't know how it's like you don't know how the feeling is going to be out your day and i had to learn that going through Hargrave. so um i do it sometimes just to you know what I'm saying keep myself you know what I'm saying structured like i had to do this in school i'm gonna do this now i do it sometimes but Sometimes I don't even. <laughs> yeah, you do it. You do it when somebody's coming by. That's when you do it. Come on, that's when you do it. Um, so it, this probably happened before Hargrave, and obviously you started playing when you were really young. But at what point did you realize I'm really good at basketball? Like, when did you know I'm going to be playing Division One college basketball? Uh, I think that hit me my f middle school. Honestly, I felt. As if in middle school, I knew like I was gonna I was gonna get there somehow, some way I was gonna get there. Uh, I worked too hard, and it was it was it was too much for me not to get there. And um, 
when I got to high school, my ninth grade year, I didn't play on varsity my ninth grade year. I played on JV, and then I traveled with varsity. I didn't touch the floor. But when I went to Mount Zion Christian Academy, my my second ninth grade year, as I reclassed, I, um, you know, started playing with the national team right away. Didn't get as much time as, you know what I'm saying, as I wanted. You know what I'm saying? You had some seniors that was in front of me and stuff like that. I understood. So I played with the national team and the high school team. But when college coaches started coming to my my um, my workouts and stuff like that, that's when I knew. Like Miami came out, and uh, they were one of the first ones who actually offered right away. Wow. Like, hey, we like this guy or whatever. And I was a ninth grade at that time. Um, who was the coach back then? Uh, Hayes, I think. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. Frank Hayes. So, yep. So, um... Yeah, Frank Haith might have slipped you a little money if he really wanted you to come. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Frankie played a little loose with the money. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. But, uh, but um, I do know he was a good guy uh, yeah. as far as the recruiting process. And I felt like he was one of them guys that, that put it on the map. Like them in Maryland were the first two two uh schools to offer and I, that's when i felt like i was gonna make it from there well it's it's so nice that you picked indiana over maryland so that we could have a more recent success over that team than uh i like what, were you at all influenced through that process of remembering the championship game where maryland beat indiana uh i you know it didn't dawn on me until i actually went to indiana and then i was like wow like Maryland beat them in the championship game. Like it, I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, it, because when you going through the recruiting process, you you understand the history of everything. But my history was like, yo, Indiana's a basketball school. It's always been a basketball school. It's always going to be a basketball school. Let's. The people here are are history, like historic. Mm-hmm. Why would why not? insane yeah (laughs) but but the truth is mo and correct me if i'm wrong but indiana wasn't on your radar until tom cream took the job at indiana and tom was recruiting you at marquette correct right right so what ended up happening was um yeah indiana wasn't on my radar list until he got there he told me he was going to move from marquette to indiana when i was a junior at South Kent, and um, they said they was going to keep the recruiting process up with me, and uh, him and Coach Seltzer stayed on my back about everything, and I had committed to Indiana my junior year. Didn't even wait until my senior year. And, and did Coach do a great job at selling you and getting you fired up on that tradition of Indiana? Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, he told me he wanted me to be – one of those D-Wade type of players where I was, you know, a scorer for him and uh, somebody who's going to be a leader for the team and and everything like that. So it, it, it drew me in because of how when I got there, it wasn't it wasn't a fluke. Like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a joke as if, like, oh, he just was saying something out of his mouth just to, just to bring me in. He actually put me in that predicament to be what he wanted me to be. Now, walk me through the first time you meet Tom Crean. Like, he's a big personality. When you first met him, what was your first impression of him? 
I, I never felt so much energy in my life. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, Coach Cream was full of energies. He's an energetic type of guy, and I'm really chill and laid back. So <laughs> it kind of clashed a little bit, but it got me excited to go to the school. Honestly, um, you know, and I felt like when when he bought that type of energy, as far as us talking. I knew that's how he was going to be as a coach. He was going to be a tough coach, but he he cared. And so um, that's why it, it kind of got to me. Like, I want to play for this type of coach because as la- as laid back and as chill as I am, when it came down to basketball, it, it, it bought, he bought the energy all the time. So you commit to Indiana your junior year. Had you even been to Bloomington? Nah, that was the crazy thing. I didn't. I didn't even get to Bloomington until like my summer. The summer I was going to go there. Like uh, I think. Um, and then you were like, "Oh no, no, wow!" No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We took a visit. Me and my dad took a visit, and then we came back. And then I, yep. And then I mean, I had committed beforehand, but I had took my visit anyway. Right. And, yep. I mean, if you had had any doubts before visiting campus, they must have been immediately erased once you took a trip around Bloomington. Oh yeah, I mean, if I if I felt if I if I didn't feel as if it was going to be what it was what it was, then I would have decommitted from Indiana and went somewhere else. But it was everything it promised. Yeah, but all right, but let's break this down a little. So <laughs> you go to campus, and obviously you get to see Assembly Hall for the first time. Um, yeah, really amazing. But I want you to rank. I'm going to list three things, and I want you to rank for me the things that were most impressive to you uh, after your first visit. Number one, Assembly Hall. Number two, the beauty of the campus. Number three, the girls. <laughs> Give me one through oh, three. Man, uh, you can't. You got to put Assembly Hall first. Okay, Assembly Hall. I didn't I didn't know what Assembly Hall was. You know, I I seen it in a picture, but I didn't know how nice it actually was and that high when I walked into Assembly Hall and it, the lights were off and it was dark, it was closed, it was nobody in there, it was just me and the coaching staff and stuff like that. When I walked into there and I, I just could picture myself playing packed out crowd Nothing but energy and everything like that. Uh, it was amazing. That, that was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. It was something I ain't really feel when I went to, you know, saying the other visits that I took. So um, that was amazing. Is it weird? Wait, we got to know two and three. Oh yeah, sorry. So what's so I have more assembly hall questions? Though. Oh okay. All right, we'll go for okay. it. Well, I, it just as a spectator, as a student, when you're like way, way high up there, you're like, this is a terrible viewing experience. Uh-huh. But if you're anywhere in the lower section, it's awesome. Of course, it's great. But I just wonder, as a player who doesn't have uh, the uh, the history attached to it, like I did as a fan or a student growing up, is that that's a is the actual physical space the way. It, goes way up into the heavens that's that's appealing right like you like the idea that you're in this huge cathedral right yeah i mean wherever you're sitting at in assembly hall is amazing like you know because it's even crazy like when we was when i was a freshman and it used to pack out people were still out there trying to get in and couldn't even get into the spot and it was just like that's 
the energy that you're going to have when you're going into games and stuff like that. that everybody's trying to get into their spot at any given time. But even when uh, my mom and dad, they don't, they didn't never like to sit on the floor. Um, they never liked to sit on the floor. Reason being was because they felt like when I was a kid, I used to always look for them whenever like I would like need like need like inspiration or yeah if i messed up i would look for my parents so they always sat somewhere different every single game and one of the games my dad was like we, we decided to sit in the nosebleeds like we decided to sit in the nosebleeds and they it was he said it was hot up there but I, we enjoyed it because like it was it was different but but be honest mo you by the way i forgot to ask this we asked this of all the people that come on our show that have nicknames are we allowed to call you mo Oh, of course. Yes. Okay, Thank good. You. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Wait, your parents didn't mention that it was terrifying in the nosebleeds? <laughs> because as a drunk undergrad, I was certain I would meet my death stumbling down <laughs> from the upper deck. Nah, see, I don't. I didn't think they drank when they uh, right. went up there, but they just wanted to enjoy the game from different views. They enjoyed it. But, but Mo, be honest, you never went up there and sat in those seats. Oh no! See, I was a player though. I know, I, I know. I, that's yeah, that's I why think, you... <laughs> I, I always like, I always like the the, the lower floor. Yeah. You know, I want I want to feel I want to feel the vibrations of the you know what's on the floor. I want to feel I want to feel the energy. I mean, you feel the energy anywhere. I'm not gonna say I never sat in nosebleeds and never felt energy, but for me, like I got to be in the middle or the bottom. Well, I will tell you this. If it's energy you're looking for, the balconies at Assembly Hall are filled with the energy of about 1,500 people worried that, like Ward said, they might die that day. <laughs> so that, it's a different kind of energy. So, um, all right, so Assembly Hall's number one, number two, and number three. Uh, you know, this is it's difficult. Uh, but, you know, at that time when I first got here, like, I wasn't really worried about girls well right. one because i had already met my matchmaker before i even stepped foot on campus oh, wow. really honestly so me and um now my 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 child's mother wow we had already met before i had already stepped foot on before i had stepped foot on campus wow so that was like so i was locked down before i even <laughs> had a chance to even search soul search but uh um but the campus was so beautiful, man. I, I think I had I definitely had to put the campus number two just because of, like, when I started walking around. I, the first time I walked around, I walked around in dark. Wow. And so when you got the lights on and stuff like that, it was so nice. It was so beautiful. The campus was amazing. And then, and then, and then like, I haven't even been back to Indiana in a while, but I know they added on to the campus i really want to see that stuff too and yeah uh, like see the new assembly hall and everything like that i think i'll take a trip next year um after my after um this season but it was just amazing like just to walk around with your family and uh the coach and staff and everything like that and everybody know who you are before you even touch foot on on their floor or put a jersey on you don't even know what number you're gonna get yet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's, it's, it was just amazing, man. I mean, well, I really do appreciate it. I, I can't let this go. So you say you met your match before you stepped foot on Indiana campus. That means around 2008, 2009. It's been 10 years. How come you ain't put a ring on it? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> we are actually not together now. Uh, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Unfortunately, we're not together now. Um, 
you know, it's it was some things that you don't have to get into have, it. You don't yeah, have to I know, get into it. I know, it. I know, I know, I know I don't, but yeah, it just you know, moving on from from the past, and you know, what I'm saying we move on in life. And, I get uh, it, dude. Hey, I'm divorced. I get it. I got three <laughs> kids and divorced. Oh, you did it man. smarter than me. You never got married. So, you're now on campus at mm-hmm. Indiana University. You're yep. a freshman. What did the relationship? Did did Coach Cream change? from being the recruiter filled with energy to get you on campus to now first practice. What was that like? Uh, a whole total different energy. Now, now it's about when you, when you, you know what I'm saying? When you, how can I explain it? Like, okay, for me, it was basically like I meet you as a recruiter. I mean, as you recruit me, it was, it was, it was nice now. When you on that floor, it's about business. It's about getting wins. It's about putting on for your program, and that's what it, it got that serious that quick. But uh, I'm not saying he was always like that because he wasn't. But majority of the time, it was a, he was about that. Just because he was there a year before us, I mean, before me, and they didn't really have a good year the year before, and uh, you know he. He had to improve if he wanted to keep his job. Now we're talking about keeping jobs in business now. So it was it was different. Wait, I, I actually do want to take a step back because you commit to Indiana, energy-filled, Tom Crean's there. You've built a relationship a little bit with him and, and Coach Seltzer from the Marquette days, and now they're going to Indiana. They're going to restore the glory. You commit, and then your senior year in high school at Hargrave, while you're kicking ass on the court, Indiana is laying a giant turd for the entire season. <laughs> I mean, it is it is as bad as Indiana basketball has ever been, ever. Mm-hmm. Are you at all watching that? Like, wh- where's your mind? Are you watching that going, I'm going to bring this place back and it's going to be great? Or are you thinking, holy hell, what did I do? No, I actually thought that I was going to bring the program back. Nice. Um, my, my, my thought process was like, I don't care what they did in the beginning. I'm not doing it. You know what I mean. And when I when I get there, it was going to be something totally different. And I didn't I didn't know how hard it was going to be to turn the program the whole program around. But that was my thought process. It never wavered to me. Like because you know a lot of guys when they commit somewhere and they don't and the team don't do well, they decommit and go somewhere right. else. But me, I always thought to myself like, when I come in, it's going to be a difference from from Jump Street, and uh, that's what I worked always worked to have. Well, and you're you're coming from such a strong basketball program, programs really, uh, in high school. What was it like? I mean, I know the idea is like, hey, I'm here now, the cavalry's here, uh, we're going to turn this thing around, but when the reality is you're losing tons of games – when you show up, probably an experience you're pretty unfamiliar with. How how tough is that as a competitor to 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 be patient with your own process and the team's process in in coming to the place where y- you feel familiar, which is winning. It's always tough, um, but that's the way of life too. Like it's not going to always be your way. Every time that you go somewhere or do something, you got to figure stuff out and my freshman year we only won six games and but we stuck together we knew like hey we 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 gonna turn this thing around and at some point in time it was gonna we we knew how hard we was gonna work we didn't know 
because we came in as six freshmen. We didn't know who was going to be on the floor, what was going to happen or anything. But I think when we first started off, I think me, Christian, um, who else is on the floor for us? Maybe I think it was just me and Christian who started the game off. But we it was difficult because we all were playing. It was it was nobody that was not playing for us, but we didn't know how the 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 difference from high school to college was. We had to really actually figure that out. Right. But and when, um, and when you came you did have Verdell was still there who was kind of yeah. like he had been through it. You came in with Pritchard was there, he had been through it. Right. Right. So there were only a couple guys, but but I will say when you got there and started playing it did feel immediately like with your class, things were changing. It felt like right. we've got real talent. And you especially, Mo, you come out like freaking gangbusters. Unbelievable. I mean, you are <laughs> shooting the three well. You're scoring left and right. You are crushing it. When you get there and start immediately scoring, are you thinking to yourself, oh, okay, this is, this is maybe easier than I thought it was going to be? Nah, no. I knew I, I, it wasn't like that for me, but being though, because I, I played against major talent every every year that I've ever played basketball. Like I started playing the game when I was four years old, but I was already playing against nine years, not not years of nine years old. You know what I mean? And it just always, I always kept the same mindset. Like people are gonna doubt who you are. People are going to, you know not know who you are or anything like that. As long as you know what you can do and who you are and you have the confidence to do what you want to do, you can do it. And so I, that's what I knew coming into college. Like, I didn't really think of nothing like, oh, I'm going into college now. Oh, shoot. Like, I got to be different. Nah, I came in the same way I came in when I was in high school. I came in with a scores mindset. I came in with a defensive mindset, the mindset to be a leader. And, you know what I'm saying, it just showed on the court. And well, what, what, what I was going to say, what are the, the other guys coming in with your class or guys who are already there? Who did you really click with, you know, personally that helped with that transition to college and, and to get you really believing in the program that Tom Crean was building once you were actually there? I really felt like I clicked with all those guys, honestly. Like, we all hung out together. It was never not a time we really didn't really hang out with each other. We were always – we were in the same area. We – uh. When we, after our freshman year, we was all mostly in the same dorms. And even we, if we weren't in the same dorms, then, you know what I'm saying, we still found a way to hang out. I just clicked with a lot of guys. I mean, we had a plan, like, to 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 change the program around. Because anybody could have just decommitted, like, after after the year before we even got there. Anybody could just decommitted. But we all of us felt like we, we could change something and, and do something for the better. So that's what we did. There, we've talked to a few guys from that team. We've talked to Jordy. We've talked to Christian. We've talked to Derek. We've talked to Verdell. And they, everyone talks about how special the group was, that you guys really were tight. There were no clicks. You guys, you guys became kind of quick friends, and you were in this grind of, holy hell, this is really hard. And the only people that you could rely on were each other in, in these really tough times. How tough was it losing the amount that you were losing when when you just weren't accustomed to that? Uh, it was tough. Yeah. I ain't going to lie. It was, yeah, it was tough. I mean, like I said, when we started losing, when we started losing everything like that, 
you know, a lot of people doubted us from fans to uh, a lot of people. Right. That I won't even imagine. And it, it was tough because we felt like we were letting a lot of people down. But at the same time, we had to – it was only us. It only felt like it was only us out there that was helping each other and getting each other through the grind, the harsh struggles of practice, knowing, you know what I mean, we just lost the, the, the last night or something like that. You know what I mean? We we found a way to stick together, and you can tell it was a special group because, like I said, anybody could have just left and decommitted or transferred. I don't think we had we had a couple of transfers, but for the most part, the majority of the of the players stayed put, and uh, it was a special group. I remember that year. Again, thinking that we've really got some talent now. This talent's going to grow. It's going to take a while, but they're going to grow. But then I remember you going to Madison Square Garden against Pittsburgh and winning that game, which mm-hmm. just felt like it felt like the biggest win the program had had in a couple years. And it felt like there's a real light at the end of the tunnel. And then the next game, Kentucky, which clearly Kentucky was a better team. I mean, they were the number four team in the country. And you just went off. Thirty thirty one points. That's ridiculous. What do you remember? <laughs> what do you remember from that game and walk us through what that felt like? Well, I was focused as I ever been in life. Uh reason being was because a lot of those guys that was on Kentucky I had already knew. And I had already had a a, a little of a relationship with John Wall before all that. So Knowing and I was watching them every, you know, they on ESPN, CBS, any channel you, yeah, college basketball, they was on it because they were number four team in the country. And I felt some type of way about that, honestly. And, uh, you know, my mindset was like, I'm not going to, you know, people feel pressure when they go against great teams. But me, I didn't feel no type of pressure at all. I just felt like, hey, I'm going to do what I do and whatever pans out is going to pan out. And I, when I got hot, <laughs> I was just hot. And, um, Is that the best feeling in the world, when you're in the zone against Kentucky playing on national television? Well, yeah, because, I mean, again, like, I wanted to prove people wrong. I, run, I wanted to absolutely win that game, and I felt like we could. I felt like it just got away from us at the end. Um, they they had a deeper squad, and uh, they they – outran us and out-rebounded us, and it's, I think that's why they won that game because uh, we were right there with them, and they just we just lost at the end. But, um, again, I, I, I had something to prove, and I just felt like when I go out on the floor, I always got something to prove. It don't matter who you are or what you do or what you're ranked or um, anything. When you're playing against me, you're going to have to play your best because if you're not playing your best – you're going to always get my best regardless of who it is. You know what I mean? So that's how all, that's how my mindset is all the time. After that game, you were averaging 17.3 points a game in your first nine games playing uh, college basketball. You were the number one freshman scorer in the country. And a few games later, uh, you run into the first of what, what are going to be kind of the major obstacle for you in your career at Indiana, which is a pretty significant, severe injury. Yep. Um, what was your initial feeling when you hurt your when you hurt your leg in that game? I was hurt. Period. Uh, I felt like my whole 
everything I worked for had just went down the drain. Um, reason being is because at that time I was hearing so much about is he going pro? Is he staying in college? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? Is he about to get your agent? Is he about to do that? And I mean, I didn't really listen to it like that, but it's hard not to listen to when it's everywhere. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. He's oh, he did this. Oh, he's like he would have been the the second person behind Eric Gordon to get thirty two games straight because I had twenty nine against uh, North Carolina Central that next game. Oh, this you know what I'm saying? You just start to hear so much stuff. And um, not going live. If I would have kept going that year, I don't know if I would have been at Indiana all four of my years. I don't know if I would have been at Indiana the next year because right. I was doing that well. And I was my thing was just keep doing well, keep grinding, keep doing well. We'll see what happens when it happens. And um, to have that come about at that time when I was hot going on because I was – hot that was yeah. off games like it was like it was nothing but uh to have that i felt like my whole stuff went down the drain and um but that's why i relied on my family i relied on good friends that i had and, um good people that i had behind me they stuck with me through the end and um you know it just told me yeah, you, your season's over now, but keep pushing, keep grinding, keep keep getting through the tough times or whatever you, because we know you love the game. We know like the the more you love the game, the more harder you're gonna push, and that's what I did. Uh, before we get into kind of the rehab and how hard that was, I am curious at this point in your college career and a few months in now of working with Coach Tom Crean. Mm-hmm. At this point, do you realize that he is a total crazy person? <laughs> I didn't think he was a total crazy person until game days. Uh, game it. days, he was more so of the focuser like than anything I've ever seen. Like he, uh, game with video, film, yeah. focused, practice focused. But when it came to games, he got that. Uh, he got that drink of his and yeah. he's ready to go what and was that drink What's what was it it had to be an energy drink it had to be an energy drink i don't know any other drink that's yellow other than uh lemon lime gatorade yeah <laughs> i know it so. is a weird drink there's probably something from like you know madagascar in there or something some, <laughs> some sort of algae yes <laughs> some weird herb <laughs> spirulina um so <laughs> I, I think this probably begins uh, a relationship that became all too intimate and familiar uh, with Tim Garl and yep. talking with Colin Hartman or, uh, you know, Pat Graham, well, virtually everybody, but especially those players who had um, injuries during their time at IU. Tim Garl just seems like uh, the, the rock of everything you rely upon when getting through that. What what was it like working with Tim? Uh it was great working with Tim. Um he'll tell you like I was a pain in the ass some days and I didn't want to do it and I'm not being lie, I didn't want to do it. Right. <laughs> like uh, right. it was tough. Uh it was something I never had to endure before. It was something like I had to really learn and and also Coach Janae Jackson, who pushed me through them tough days, like he he kept on me even though when I did not want to do it. 
he kept on me and I really do appreciate that because if them two if I didn't have it was if I didn't have three people in my life, I don't think I would be playing a band basketball again. That's Coach Tim Girl, that's uh Coach Janae Jackson, and uh Dr. Allfield who did my surgery. Um them three I really do appreciate the most because like I said, I it was some days where I was a total ass to, towards them when it came down to to playing, like to to working out and stuff like that. It was some days it was too hard, like it was hard, and I felt like I couldn't get through it. And they they stuck on me. They they kept on me until I got it done. They kept on me until I was back to what I needed to get back to to play the band of basketball. And like I said, I appreciate them. I can't appreciate them enough for that. So you do bust your ass with the help of the three guys you just mentioned, the support of your family, and you yep. are back for the beginning of the 2010-11 season. And it mm-hmm. seems from a fan's perspective, wow, maybe maybe he's still recovering a little, but he scores 13 points in the season opener. You got 19 points against Evansville. It yep. seems like from that, that while you may not be full strength, you're certainly well on your way. Did you think where did you think you were at that point in this in the year? Did you think you were all the way back or could you tell something was a little off? No, I didn't I wasn't all the way back. I knew I wasn't all the way back, but I knew I didn't want to miss another season either. Right. Um probably hampered me more than helping me, but that's just the love of of the game that I had. Yeah, you know and your I mean? toughness. I, you were so I, yeah, tough. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss out on anything. I didn't want to miss out on my friends, playing with my friends, my family, you know, because that's what I thought of them as my family. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to let them down. And be like, hey, I'm just gonna sit out another year. Uh, I'm just gonna recover for another year. That was gonna hurt me more than anything. So I, I took myself out there. Not even. I would say I was at. I would say I was probably seventy five percent, seventy percent, seventy five percent. But again, it was either. Push through, work out in the while the season's going on, and play, or sit out and you know what I'm saying. Watch everybody do what you want to do, and that was gonna hurt me more than anything. So I took myself out there, and I talked to my dad about that so many times because he said, "Yo, that might have been one of the worst decisions you probably made for yourself, like putting yourself out there not a hundred percent and everything like that." But I just told him, like, "Look, man, like." I love the game so much. Like, I go out there hurt. <laughs> I would go wow. out there hurt. And I did that. And, I, and it, clear, it was clear to me, too, that I, I wasn't full fully back. I was running. I was When I ran, I limped. It wasn't like a full run. I still limp to this day. But um, I'm still getting a job done to right. this day. But, the, um, but just not going out there 100%, he thought that wasn't a smart decision. But. He I obviously just was like I, the love of the game I have that I have is maybe totally different from other people. Maybe other people would have been like, I'm going to wait until I'm I'm back to normal. Well, I didn't I, I felt like if I wasn't back to normal by that certain amount of time, I wasn't going to get back to normal and I was going to have to figure it out from there. Wow. What, what, I mean, I, I'm just curious when you watch something like what happened to Katie in the finals this year, does yep. that, does that, do you get flashbacks to be like, oh yeah, I, I got out there too early too. I know how that can go. Yeah, it, it does. Um, 
first and foremost, that hurts me about KD because, like, I like he was somebody who's close to me. For him to get hurt like that, uh, and I and I kind of felt I had a feeling like this might happen because of what I had already went through. You know what I mean? Going out there early and hurting myself a couple more times. So, um, but again, that's just the love that we got for the game it's something totally different from other people like we don't care if you know what i'm saying if we hurting or not we would put ourselves on the line to play the game that we actually love to do and uh may be stupid may not be stupid but that's just the way we we approach it i know that's the same way he approaches like i'm not gonna let my team fail i would rather i would rather go out there hurt and not ready then let my team fail, and that's how. I, that's exactly how I felt. Well, it, it's a testament to you. It's also why, you know, fans can tell. You can't, especially Indiana fans. You can't sneak BS by Indiana fans. We know who's playing hard. We know who's got their heart in the game. We know who's out there busting it for us, and we know who's not. And you were an instant fan favorite because we knew you put your heart into every single game and every single play. And you battling back like you did from that first injury to come back at the beginning of 10-11 w- was just amazing to watch. I do want to ask about two new teammates that you had that y- that year. You are joined by Will Sheehy and Victor Oladipo. What mm-hmm. what can you tell us about those two guys? Uh, Will, he was, he's a competitor. <laughs> Will's uh, one of the most competitive people I can honestly say that I've ever met. Uh Will was a trash talker. Loved it. Like, yeah, he was a trash talker now. Like Will Will can get up under your skin, but I knew that this guy was gonna be special. Just you know, a lot of people doubted Will. A lot of people doubted Will. Like didn't know if he could get a job done. Didn't know if he could you know saying play for Indiana basketball. But by how hard he worked and you know, that mid-range pull-up he had was amazing. Yeah. Like <laughs> It was amazing. He, he was the mid-range king right there. but uh, And so much elevation on it, right? Oh, yeah, yep. The elevation he had on everything is how athletic Will was. He was... He was one of a kind. And, well, and um, we heard he's so, like, chill and almost like a wallflower off the court. Does he just, yeah, off the court, yeah. He, he just saves it all for the the game, huh? On the court, on the court he's, he's that guy. He's that type of guy. He's a defensive stopper. He's he's everything you would want in a basketball player. Somebody who's going to get up under your skin. Somebody who's going to push, push you to be the best player you can be. Uh, and, you know, somebody who can get the job done. And what about the crooner, Victor Oladipo? Vic, uh, this is something special to me because um, before I went to college, you know, me, me and Vic were very tight. We were, we were like brothers, you know what I mean, and still is to this day. Um, I talk to him sometimes. Uh, I don't want to, you know, what I'm saying get get through what he's going through right now. You know what I mean? I don't talk to him all the time. I, I usually do, but used to, but. Um, I, I could tell Victor was going to be something special from day one. Uh, Victor didn't always have a jump shot. He was always athletic. Um, but he didn't always have a jump shot, and everybody was kind of skeptical about that. But he always bust his tail. And I knew he was going to be what a, exactly what he is today. He was an all-star. Um, 
he always wanted to be the best. Uh, we always pushed each other to be the best. Always. We worked out. Um, it was amazing to see him grow up to, to what he is today. And um, glad I can get him to IU because I think his other recruiting was only Charlotte. Like Right. So glad I could have got I, – I got my brother – to to play for IU. Were you um, were you telling Coach Crean about him, or was it more that you were telling Victor he should come? Oh, uh, I told. Well, it was kind of both. I was telling Coach Crean like, "Hey, I mean, if you're recruiting him, you're getting a good recruit." And I told Vic like, "Hey, bro, like I'm here for you. Like, if you could possibly play together, and it would be something. It'd be something amazing, just because of the fact that, um." You know, we've already known each other for so long. Like, you know what I mean? It was, you were up under me. Like, he's a year up under me. And uh, we already were playing with Triple Threat, which is now Team Takeover. We we already knew each other from from kids. So it was like, this would be the perfect situation for And it grew up to be a great situation. Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being amazing and 1 being awful, how good or bad is his singing voice? Nah, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, you put it way up there. Yeah, that's a ten. All right. Uh, wow. Wow, a ten. All right, wait, boy, I gotta get ask another question. On a scale of one to ten, one being not at all, and ten being the most possible, how annoying is it that he sings all the time? Oh, it's annoying as I don't know what. I ain't gonna lie to you about that. I ain't, but uh, <laughs> but that's something he loves to do, and I uh. I, yeah, I can't. Um, I ain't gonna take that away from right. him. But you know, you'll be in your dorm, or you'll be. Uh, we had an apartment together. You know, we'll be in an apartment. I'll be in there playing 2K or something, and I just hear Victor singing throughout through his room or something like that. I'm like, man, this man trying to be an R&B singer. Well, guess what? <laughs> Years later, he has the album out. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, before. The end of the 2010-11 season ends early for you against Michigan with a stress fracture. Yep. How much when that happened is, oh, no, it's all happening again? What What's going through your mind at that point? Uh, that my career was over. <laughs> really? You thought that? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Uh, I felt like that was it. Um, Honestly, like, if it wasn't for my family um yeah hmm. i don't think i would have been playing basketball i think i would have been went into training or coaching uh just because i had already went through it once bust my tail to get back and was doing exceptionally well not as well as i was doing my freshman year when i was fully at strength but i was getting to that rise and uh for it to happen again it, it hurt me it, it hurt it hurt my pride it hurt it hurt my heart I didn't yeah and your and my family would tell you I was hurt for weeks like I was hurt for months it because I was like I gotta go through this all over again after and then it brought back the memory like I might have came back too fast right. I might have did this I might have did that that's you know like dumb things kind of happen when it does happen but if it never if my injuries never had happened, I'm like, oh, you came back at the right time. Forget right. what everybody else said, but then you got people like, like, oh, you went back too fast or something like that. So, 
that hurt. So, so is that now with that time you're, when you hear that or you think that, along with just the idea of I can't play the game I love for a long time, I'm going to have to put all this effort in on rehab, but is it even harder because you, you, there's some self-incrimination that you think maybe you, you messed up by coming back too soon? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt like I let everybody down. Like, I felt like even though I was playing well, you know, to get hurt again and reason could have been because I wasn't 100% at that time hurt because I felt like I let a lot of people down. I felt like I let my family down. I felt like I let my friends down. I felt like I let my team down uh, because they knew I wasn't back 100%, but they knew how much I loved the game. And um, it, it it hurt. It hurt to, uh, you know, be a feeling like that, you know, because you never want to let nobody down, especially when, you know, you can feel your program, your team going up on the rise. Right. And for that to happen, it was terrible. Mo, over the last several years, there's been a lot of articles written and a lot of interviews with athletes who have um, – come out and talked about how how much pressure and stress they feel and how for some athletes that depression you know real clinical depression has played a role in in their their athletic lives uh i've never read anything about you in this and and so if you don't want to talk about it i get it i'm just wondering did it ever get that bad for you where where real depression sunk in and you had to like really meet that head on I don't think I had real depression. I just, it was mild. It was mild, but uh, it could have got major. Um, but again, I feel like people who don't have a, a strong fan base, that's when it gets major for people. Right. Um, for me, I always, again, I had a great fan base. Had had a great mom, great dad, great brothers um, that always cared for me and always would talk to me and they knew what I was going through. They kept me comfort. They kept me still doing stuff as far as basketball. They kept me, you know what I'm saying, in the game as much as possible. They, uh, my friends just kept me going, telling me, yo, it's going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? We, we're here for you. Whatever you decide, we're here for you. And, um, How about coaches and teammates? Yeah, coaches. Yeah, that's what I'm, I was getting to next. Like, they they've always been supportive of me of my decisions stuff like that. Actually, it hurt Coach Cream a lot uh, when he had to come in, and I had to. And, uh, Coach uh, Garl had to tell him I had to get another surgery, and we damn near cried together. Like it was it was just tough. Like it it was it's tough that you know you put all that hard work in and to get that to 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 feel this injury again you gotta go through surgery and do all this stuff all over again it's terrible then you battle back again going into your junior year and in in an early practice you rupture your achilles yeah um i just i just don't understand how (laughs) you have come out of all of this you you just sound like a happy well-adjusted guy you're still playing basketball how I'm sure it's a lot of the same answer of you have this like support system around you, but this yep. uh, this Achilles injury in many ways is more serious than either of the f- previous two injuries. 
because mm-hmm. yeah, because in many ways, for many people, it has been career ending. How yeah. in the world do you muster up the fortitude to battle through that and rehab from that? Heart. Uh, that's something I always had. I always had a strong heart, strong mind, and um, that's what got me through this one for real, for real. Because at this time, I didn't have my, my child. <laughs> and uh, my daughter means everything to me and if it wasn't for her i don't know if i would have even got through this one but i know i knew like by me having a strong heart a strong feeling for the game and my child i wanted i you know i wanted my child to feel like like her daddy can get through anything and that's why i, I stuck with it through that because um when I had got this one, I was more I was more ready to go for rehab than anything. Um, the second one was the worst. The first one was the second worst, but this this third one, I was I was ready to go. I was like, you know what? Like, I want to quit right now. Like, I really really want to quit this game right now. But I'm not going. I'm not even going to. I'm going to get through this rehab. I'm going to do whatever I need to do and get back right. To where I can play the game of basketball for a very, very long time until I want to, until I want to retire from the game. I mean, you know that's what I did. I put in the hard work and the grind. So, so your daughter had been born between the second and third injuries. The third injury. Yep. Yeah. So that gave you a, a new level of resolve and perspective. Because yeah, to me, I, I don't think I could have ever gotten out of bed by injury number three. I think that'd be like, that's it. If you want to come visit me, the lights will be off. Bring me a bucket of ice cream, and you know where to find me. You know. Now I'm not gonna say I was I was just a happy creature after the right. injury or nothing like that. No, I wasn't. It took me some time to get that way. But at the end of the day, I knew I loved the game of basketball. I knew. If I wanted to, to give my daughter a bright future uh, to what she wants to do and how she wants to live, I need to play the game of basketball. Uh, this is what I know, and this is what I love to do. Why not do it? But to the, to as long as you can do it, the injury's going to happen. As long as you get can get through them, can nobody stop you from doing what you want to do. As long as you have the mindset to do what you want to do, you can do it. What's your daughter's name, Mo? Nyla, Nyla Marie Creek. <laughs> and how old is she? She'll be seven in November. Very nice. Does she, does she play ball? Nah, I don't think she plays. Uh, I think she's a ballet dancer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> have you been to some of those ballet recitals? I haven't. And uh, it's, it's been tough for me not to be there right. uh, when, when she's having those. Uh, I'm always overseas. I'm always playing. Um in the summertime, uh, me and her mom are in distance. It's it's tough to do when you are around so much uh, like, like family and stuff like that. And you never know when you're gonna leave. Right. So um, it's been tough, but um, you know, she know I love her. She knows uh, daddy's working, and you know when I can get to those, I will be. I will be at a, a lot of them. Bring a flower. You got to bring some flowers for this. So she inspires you back through rehab to health yet again for a third time. And Mm -hmm. you are now once again healthy to be a part of 
the best Indiana basketball team in at least a decade. What was it like heading into that season? What what did you think your role would be going into such a loaded team with Cody, with Vic, with Will, with Christian, with Jordy? What what was your your place? You know, at that time, I didn't know what my place was going to be. Honestly, I, I knew I could score the basketball for them, but I didn't know where I was going to be in that predicament because they had so much. And then they bought in Jeremy. They bought in. They bought in a lot of guys. And you know, it it was just loaded, loaded, like to a point where it was. We I still to this day should have felt like we still could have, should have, and should have won an NCAA championship. Yeah, we were just that loaded. And especially Mo with the recruiting class that I refer to as the bowel movement. <laughs> We, we, well, we've well, talked Yo- to Yogi turned out. Yogi was great, but we've talked to a couple guys on your team that heard all that stuff about the movement and did not like it. And when those guys came to campus, it was time to show them what college basketball was all about. Do you remember it that way? Well, they had to learn. They had to learn. And uh, I feel like they did. I feel like a lot of those guys, I feel actually all of those guys learned what it was really about. They didn't know what to come in and expect. But I feel like they learned. And, um, you know, that's why everybody's having a great career, either playing, coaching, doing something with the game now because, you know, they had to go through the grind. It's like we had to. You right. know what I mean? It wasn't as easy as what everybody expected it to be. And, um, you know, when they figured that out, they, they came, they panned out great for us. Uh, what? You know, some, some, some better than others, but. Everybody at least can't pan out in some type of way. Well, when you say you guys should have won an NCAA tur- uh, championship with that team, and I think most fans would agree, clearly the talent was there. Um, as as you were participating in that season, and you were you were getting in some game action, but a wa- watching some of it from the sideline uh, as well. What what made that team so special beyond just having? so many pro caliber players and and other guys who who knew their roles what what was it that turned you guys into the best team in the country for a lot of that year everybody just stuck together and everybody knew what we had already been through and especially for uh you know the guys who were 6 and 25 at one point we knew what we had already been through the guys who came in was 10 and 20 something that year we knew what we had already went through. And, I mean, we picked up Cody and uh, and Yogi and all the other guys that were along with them, and they were just great. So um, we just stuck together as one. We ain't let nobody waver us. We ain't let nobody doubt us. I don't think they would have doubted us because we were number one in the country at that time. So <laughs> at that point, I, don't, I think everybody was like, yep, this is the team to beat now. and. We're going to have to figure out a way to do it now. And everybody's shy enough to play us now. They weren't as shy as my freshman year. Now they see a big number one on that on that uh, on the team right right beside on the left hand side. Now everybody was scared to play us. I mean, we just felt like we earned it. Yes, mm. and, and that's and that's what that's why I say to this day we still should have won the NCAA tournament. Cause I don't think nobody earned that more than us because of what we've been through. Well, and I think a great testament to that year and what I look at as like the highlight of that year, which really was not just the highlight of that year. It was the highlight of your entire 
career, really, at Indiana. And, and everybody who came in with you and, and Verdell, uh, not Verdell at that point, but kind of the guys that, that started it back on the road was the end of the year got a little rocky, the end of the regular season. Yep. And then you go to Michigan, who had been a top five team all year, basically, along with yep. you guys, and you beat Michigan on their court to win the Big Ten title. Big Ten championship, yep. How good did that feel, Mo? So great. Uh I don't know. That was our second. I think that was our second Big Ten title because we won two out of my years. But for the go there and do it, it was it felt that much better because we lost that game. They would have had it outright. But because we won it, we won that game. We got it with them. I think we had to. I don't know if we had to split it. Or no, or no, no. Like that, that one you you won oh, it that outright. One did. That, yeah, you won we it got, outright. We won it outright. Yep. yep. Yep, because we had beat them. Yep. Yeah, so and they had, and they had Trey Burke on that team, like Glenn Robinson the third. Was it? Yeah. Was, or was it Hardaway? Hardaway was yeah, on yeah, that I team. I think Hardaway, yeah, Hardaway yeah. was on the team. Yep. Um, yeah. To me, that game was just so much fun to win a game like that on the road when people were doubting. Oh, Indiana! I think you had just lost to Ohio State at home on yep. Senior Night. Um, but man, what! What was it like for you winning that title to kind of just think back not only on the team struggles, but your personal injury struggles, and here you are, a Big Ten champion. Did you feel validation? Yeah, uh, I felt a lot of that uh, because I know how hard, like I said, all of us work, but I also know from my, from just coming from me, I know how hard I work to get what I deserved and uh, definitely deserved that and... <laughs> Glad I got it. Yes. It was just that close. The ball just rimmed off. It was that close. Oh, yeah. That yeah. thing hung up there for about an hour. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the tournament doesn't go as we want it to. I, I guess it's the $64,000 question, and a lot of people put it as a, a turning point in Coach Crean's tenure um, from the highest of highs at his time, Indiana coach, and that thing's we're never quite the same after that. Do you think there's anything different the, uh, the coaches and or you guys as the players could have done to change the outcome of that Syracuse game? Uh, I don't know if we knew what we was expect what to expect of Syracuse that year. I mean, that zone was something crazy. And that might be the craziest zone I ever. It's hard to play against that. We weren't shooting well. We weren't getting to the basket well. It was it – was, it was just a crazy feeling to, you know, just not have it like how you usually – and it's because of a zone. It just was that wild. But, um, yeah, I think we uh, we just didn't shoot well. We didn't do anything well that game. Let, it Jordy being Jordy hurt, hurt yeah. did not help. Huh? Jordy hurting his shoulder in the previous yeah, and that game. that hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that hurt. I mean, when your best, you know, best three-point shooter, you know, can't shoot against the zone, that's a difficult thing. Yeah, that hurt. That definitely hurt us as far as, uh, you know, not being able to have our best shooter at that time. Yeah. Not play. It was, it's, it was wild. So before we leave your time at Indiana, let's take a step back and just talk about some other non-basketball-related things about Bloomington. What was your favorite pizza in Bloomington? Oh man, yeah. you know the crazy thing is I ain't really eat pizza like that. But when I did, I had a Papa John's right up the street from Smallwood. I don't 
Puff is still there. All right. It's right there. And Mother Bears is also good, too. There we I go. Have to go. I think I had to go Mother Bears first and Papa John's second. What was your favorite restaurant? If it was, if Mo got to pick where we were going for dinner, where is Mo picking from? We're going to Buffalo's. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're going to Buffalo's. And do we go real spicy? Or we go teriyaki? What are we doing? Ah, oh, man. I think it was the teriyaki wings that got me. Yeah. So good. The teriyaki wings that got me. Yep. Uh, favorite bar? Once you were of age, of course. Favorite bar? Mmm. I think I do. I like sports. Yep. It was like more so of a club, but I, I treat it as if it was a bar. Yeah, absolutely. Least favorite class you had to take at Indiana? Oh, my gosh. Uh, finite math. Yes. Oh, amen, brother. <laughs> amen. Oh, I don't even understand why you need. Because so, for, uh, for my degree, which is communications, um, it was sports communications. You had to take finite math, and I'm like, why do I need finite math for this um, when I'm trying to be a broadcaster or a coach or anything else? Right. But doesn't seem to play into it. Uh, nah. Yeah, yeah, Mo, I, uh, I've never used finite math once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so we've heard a lot of stories about the Tipton Tornado himself, Derek Elston. Yeah. Is there any funny story that you remember about Derek or anyone on the team? Cody, any funny story that just pops to your mind, something behind the scenes that you could share with us? Oh, man. All I can tell you is that Derek might have been the funniest guy on the team, period. He's always had some jokes. He always was clowning around. Oh, man. But <laughs> him and Vic. Him and Victor are the two funniest on the team. Matter of fact, I lied. Him is it's three people. Him, uh, Derek, Remy, and Vic. Remy? Remy is a clown. <laughs> well, oh, I, Remy is a clown. I thought you were going to throw Cody in there because we had him on the podcast, and he's hilarious too. Oh, I don't know. Nah, Cody was kind of quiet. Cody was more so quieter than everybody else. But, huh. but, but Derek, Remy... And Vic. Remy is a clown to this day. I just played the TBT with Remy. Yeah. And he is still a clown. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into uh, after that year, the 2012-2013 year, you make another pretty big life decision to transfer from Indiana and go to GW. What was the thought process going into that? How did that come about? And was it a difficult decision for you? Yeah, it was a pretty tough decision. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, I loved Indiana. I wish I could have stayed there all my year, but I also felt like it was a time. It was, it was time to go. Uh, coming in with new talent, I knew they were going to play the new talent. Um, I also heard that I was only going to play ten minutes my senior year. How did you? Uh, how did you hear something like that? How does that get uh, communicated? You know, it it could have been. It was rumors. Like, I didn't feel like I was going to play. They didn't feel like I had enough. Could It was rumors, but I also it was also in the back of my mind. Like, I'm not – I don't feel like I'm going to play here. And I don't feel like I'm going to be in, in, in uh, you know, any help to these guys because I'm not on the floor. Because I didn't play – I didn't play the year before. And uh, it was like – I didn't really play the year before. And – um, 
I kind of felt hurt about that. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't. I was working my tail off, but it it just wasn't enough, and that hurt. And I was like, you know what? For my senior year, I want to go all out. And I had a goal to make the NCAA tournament. I did that uh, with George Washington, and uh, you know, I wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. And you know, that's always been my motto. You know what I'm saying? Like. Prove everybody wrong. Everybody, you know, saying having these doubts about me because I had these three injuries or whatever. But they, what they don't know is that I still have a lot to the game. That I find ways to win. I find ways to do what I need to do. I find ways to carry my team by any means necessary. And for me not to be able to do that, that hurt. Did you feel like your relationship with Coach Crean changed in your junior and senior year, especially your senior, where? Did you get soured on that relationship where you felt like maybe he wasn't as supportive of you as, as you wanted him to be? I mean, yeah, honestly, uh, well, it's just business. And that's how I carried it, too. When I left, I carried it as if it was just going to be business. I mean, he was mad that I was leaving. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, if I feel like I'm not in, in, as of in use when I felt like I was good and ready – I knew that I, I wasn't going to be ready for you in the senior year. I knew you was going to bring in new talent. You bring in new talent every single year. So, um, again, I think, think it was my time to just roll. I think it was my time to go. Uh, it hurt. And you know what I'm saying? Because, like, when I, when I made the decision, it was all in the newspapers. I still had to go to class. Everybody was looking at me some type of way. Like, everybody asked me the questions, why are you leaving? Uh, what happened? All this other stuff. And it's like, don't want to explain and stuff like that. But um, Do you I th- feel like I made a great decision. Do you think part of the feeling that it was time to go is that the guys you came in with were leaving and Cody and, and Vic were leaving? Did it just seem like, yeah, hey, w- we did this here together and I still have a chance to go do something special somewhere else for a year, but this is going to be a totally different team anyway next year? I felt like that was part of it, but it wasn't as much as me not feeling wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like – and, I mean, it's – We've had a discussion about this, me and Coach Crean. He felt like I didn't beat nobody out in practice, which I disagree. You know, like I felt like, you know, what I'm saying I bust my tail um, to to get to where I to get to where I want to go and to do what I need to do. But at the end of the day, it's the coach's decision. I can't I can't sub myself in. I can't put myself in the rotation and and stuff like that. All I can do is work as hard as I can do to get into what I want to do and for me not to be able to do that, it hurt. And it made that, it made it that much clear to me. Like I, I need to go somewhere where I'm wanted and not just, uh, I mean, I, um, just, I want it, uh, basically need it and not just want it there. That's what I was going to say. And as much as that hurt not being wanted, how great did it feel to get to George Washington and to play in virtually start virtually every game score 14 points a game like just looking at the stats it's like oh that was the first time you finally started to approach where you were at when you got hurt as a freshman well yeah I mean I was coming into the season ready to go I had played uh 
in the summer with those guys. I had other offers to go uh, other places. I went to uh, I had Texas and uh and uh Marshall, but with Texas, they was picking out of me and a and a guy named Darius Croder, who's a who's a freshman at that time, who's going to be a freshman at the time, high flyer. Um, so I understood that they was going to go with a guy that they can get four years out of instead of one. Um, with Marshall, the coach for them was uh Coach Heron. He was at uh Pittsburgh and he was recruiting me with uh Coach Dixon, and he wanted me to go there and just absolutely just score, just. Do what you do, score. We gonna win games, and you are gonna be on the map. And but I didn't know nothing about Marshall at that time. I it's all about all the way out West Virginia and stuff like that. I really didn't know nothing about him and nothing like that. So I took George Washington into huge consideration, being as though that George Washington is like twenty minutes from my house, and it was uh, and it was easy for my parents to get there and everybody else that wanted to go there. All my friends coming to the games and stuff like that. So. It was it was in huge consideration, and plus we had a good core of people. I, uh, you know, I still talk to these guys to this day. I still play against these guys sometimes. Some of these guys have moved on and get, turned into coaches and stuff like that. So it was just a great core of guys, and they and Co- and, and Coach uh, Lonigan told me, "Hey, we need you to come in here and shoot the basketball and score." And they even asked the players, like, yo, do y'all think he's a good addition to the team? Everybody agreed, yes. So um, That's when I got feeling. there or whatever, I had something to prove. I had everything to prove because, uh, like I said, I felt like a lot of people have doubted me and doubted what I can do for a team. And for me to come out and average 16, 17 points a game my senior year, that, that's amazing um coming off three surgeries in 22 months it was it was incredible and i can tell you i probably before your senior year at gw watched a total of zero games that george washington ever played and your <laughs> senior year i probably watched eight i mm-hmm. i and i know a lot of iu fans did as well because when you left coach Crean may have been angry no Hoosier fan was was truly angry. We we so respected and admired what you did at Indiana and how you put your heart on the line for Indiana. I was so happy you were getting an opportunity. And when you made that NCAA tournament, man, that was phenomenal. I was so happy for you and watching you on that run was just such a pleasure. We were we were rooting for you. Man, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And then your basketball career did not end. You kept nope. playing. And you have played professionally for how many years now? I'll be going to my sixth year this year. What's the coolest thing about playing in Europe? You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, you go somewhere and, again, you never know like what you are going to get as far as the culture, um, as far as like the people the basketball you know it's different basketball in different in different countries so um yeah so like when i when i went to my first country in the netherlands or whatever my first team went bankrupt wow uh that put me in a bind because it kind of derailed what i wanted to do with my child but yeah uh but that, that just comes to show like we were we were about to win a championship that year it was three rookies on that team, but uh, out of all the three of the rookies, uh, one was averaging 20, one was averaging – I was averaging 19 point something, and the other one was averaging like 16. And that was mostly all the points, 
and we had just beat the number one team in the league, and we had just beat the number two team in the league, and they went bankrupt. They just, just couldn't be folded. It's just no, you never know what you're gonna get when you go into these countries. So, uh, what you can do is just be your best you. Every everywhere, every step that you can take, just be your best you for you, more than anybody. And where are you? Pl- where are you gonna play next season? Well, I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided, but it's a um, it's a couple of teams that I'm looking at. It's uh, I really want to go to this team in Italy. Um, it's a team in Italy that I really want to go to, but of course, you know, they got to go through the 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 process of looking at other guys and stuff too, like that. So we're gonna see about that. It's one team in Greece right now that that's uh coming out and seeing if they want to make an offer for me, and it's another team in Israel. That's why I wanted to look at me this year. So you're ready to get to the Mediterranean is what you're saying. <laughs> you're ready for some of that Mediterranean beach weather. Man, I'm trying to get into the best weather I can, but also the best basketball I can. Right. Well, Mo, I, I got to tell you, man, thanks so much for taking time with us. Wait, can I can I ask one more question? Of course. Sure. The basketball tournament. Tell me about the Elam ending. What's the Elam ending? Is that fun? Do you like the Elam ending? You know, I love it. Uh, I like it more than anything because it gives people a chance to to, to come back from, like, a lead. Um, will you, will you explain, ex- it, yeah, explain, explain it, it to the yeah. listeners? Yeah, the Elam ending is basically um, in the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter, they cut off the clock. So say if you're leading the, the game 80 to 78, um, it's whoever is leading the game, you add another eight points on to that lead to basically have to win it. So basically, if the team is leading 80 to 78, whoever gets the 88 first wins the game. I love it. So they add they add eight points. They, they To get the Elam ending number, they add eight points to the leading scores uh, lead. And I mean, shut uh, off the clock. Number. And shut off the clock. It takes away hack-a-shack. It takes away free-throw BS yep. at the end of games. It makes it so everybody has to play every possession as yep. though you've got a chance to win the game on every possession. I Correct. Love it. I love it. You think it's anything that they would ever do in college basketball or the NBA? I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't really think they might. I mean, I don't think they would just because of how long they've been playing with the clock. Right. And this in TBT is something new. But if they did, it would be – I feel like it would be good. I feel like it would be good just because, you know, I don't think they should do it at the four-minute mark. I think they should take a little bit more time off the clock, maybe like two minutes. Sure. So they got more time to play. But um, if they did do it, it would be just be more that more competitive because it, it reminds you of like street ball where you got to get the 21 first. Yes. Uh, so like, okay, if you if you got a 19 to 15 lead, that team still got a chance to come back and win the game. You got to play your best basketball at all times. It ain't nothing like where oh I can run out the clock or something like that. But you know, we never know. The, the game is always evolving, so you never know what you're gonna get. By the way, in the pickup games that I have played in recently, when the score's 19 to like 15 and the first 21 wins, that takes about seven hours. <laughs> we, we just can't put the ball in the hole. Uh, Mo, I got to tell you, man, uh, I was really excited to talk to you. I know we've been trying to set this up for a couple weeks. 
Uh, it, it is an absolute uh, thrill to talk to you. You you were part of the group of players that brought Indiana back to a place that it had not been in a really long time, reminded us what Indiana could be, and specifically your play. You will always be remembered for a guy who gave absolutely every ounce of his being to Indiana when most normal human beings would have packed it in and just quit. And you didn't have any quit in you, and I admired it. And I have to tell you, man, you're setting one hell of an example for Nyla, and your daughter's going to have a, a one hell of a bar to live up to and a daddy to be proud of. I really do appreciate this, man. Uh it really feels good to talk to somebody about it. I haven't really talked full about the full experience about my basketball career or even you know my life and stuff like that. So to do this with y'all, it was it was great, and um, I really do appreciate y'all. Well, look, it's been our honor and pleasure to to be the one speaking with you, but uh, we do feel like this is. Uh, uh, us being in the place of many IU fans, we're here representing uh, the Hoosier Nation. There's so much love and respect for what you did and how you did it and what you had to get through that it may be two crazy guys talking to you right now, but the whole the whole new Hoosier Nation out there is coming from the same place we are. So I hope you understand the the love and affection and admiration we're representing. Really do appreciate it, and I definitely do understand it. I felt that way since I got on campus. Still feel about way about that now. You know, everybody. A lot of people ask me, "When are you coming back? When are you gonna watch the game?" Stuff like that. I wish I could. You know, if if the uh, overseas uh, thing wasn't really uh, not going as planned, but uh, wasn't the seasons weren't so long. But I'm definitely making it into an account that I'm gonna uh, come back next year. I'm not going to tell y'all when because y'all not going to put no date on me. Like, oh, more Creek's coming back or anything like that. But um, when I'm back, I'll definitely let y'all know for sure. Definitely Twitter because everybody's on Twitter for sure. Yeah, please do. (laughs) And and, and I I hope in some way it works out where we're there too because I would love to be part of the ovation that you get when you walk back out onto Assembly Hall's court. Definitely will. Hey, what a what a sweet guy. I, I don't understand how he has that much um happiness. He just seems like like a pretty well adjusted guy after going through catastrophic career ending injuries. Well, or what the, should have been. And the level of resentment and bitterness I would have if as a freshman I was being talked about as like leaving for the NBA. Like like I'm gonna be a, a, a lottery pick. Right to going through three catastrophic injuries in less than two years, I would just be so hateful. Uh, I don't know if I would ever be able to regain um, joy, much less a professional basketball career. It just, And it, I thought it was really interesting that not only the, the birth of his daughter played into getting him through the final injury, but that then it just boiled down to heart. Like, you know, he's yeah. clearly a, a, a modest guy and gave so much of the credit to, you know, the the training staff, the coaches that were around him, his friends, his family. But by that third one, it was like, how'd you do that? Heart. And and it goes to this thing that we've heard from so many people, whether it was Leary or Coverdale or, um, or in the interview that we just did with Jim Cruz. There's talent out there. Right. Like there's a lot of talent in college basketball, 
But what separates it, and even what Mo said about that team, what separated them, they weren't going to let anybody stop them. Like, there is a toughness, there is a personality, there is a want to that is what separates the talent from the winners. And and it just completely more and more fortifies for me the kind of player that you want playing for Indiana. You want the Mo Creeks. You want the Coverdales. You want the Learys. You want these guys that will go balls to the wall. Well, and if what we've been hearing about recruiting lately, and we don't want to like timestamp these podcasts, but it seems like the recruiting class that's coming together now, the uh, toughness, tenacity, heart is is being uh, a, a primary criteria. Uh, for, needs, for new IU players. Yes, and that needs to be like the bedrock, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has to have that. And then grab some stars. Well, and I think it's interesting that as Mo was feeling less welcome and needed, um, and you had this new flock of players coming in that, despite what he said, most of them did not work out. Right. And But know, I get what he meant, because for Crean, it was always like a new batch of BS, truthfully. And he and, and well, at that point, I mean that I think because up to that point, you know, he was bringing in. I think a lot of those players that we look back on and and reflect fondly because they did bring us out of the abyss and and brought us back to the mountain. Yeah, for that three year run. But then the movement sort of represents sort of an attitude. Uh, that I think was pervasive for the rest of the time, where you you obviously had some some great guys like Colin Hartman in there, but a lot of guys who didn't pan out at all, and just sort of that that unity that Mo Creek yeah. was just talking about with those couple of classes he came in with. I I don't know if that really existed as much after after he left and as the program started to unravel. I will say I think that the year that he decided to leave was the year we brought in Robert Johnson. And James Blackman, thirteen fourteen, wasn't that them? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't have that Wikipedia page on, printed we'll just, out, but that sounds. I think it was, but I'm just gonna. Would see. that have been Hartman too? James Blackman. You'll cut this out. Sure. To pause. You don't think they like listening to you silently tap on your phone? I don't think so. I mean, who knows? We could try it out and see. Uh, oh no, four, fourteen fifteen. Okay, so I was wrong. 14, 15. 13, 14. I mean, who did we bring in? IU recruiting class. Oh, I think that was Hartman and Devin Davis. Right? That year? Sure. Here it is. Oh, no, there was a lot of, there was a lot of players here. So it was Noah Vonley. Right. It was Troy Williams. It was Stanford Robinson, Luke Fisher, Devin Davis, Colin Hartman. Okay. I get it. There was a big crop of players that made Maurice just kind of go. What bothers me about it is I get that you have to compete at the highest possible level and you can't waste roster spots. And I would never use that as a term to describe Maurice Creek. He went to Division I program and led them to the NCAA tournament, scored close to 15 a game. If anyone ever deserved the benefit of the doubt, it was Maurice Creek. And Crean should have done whatever he had to do to make him feel wanted. Well, and it's bizarre that he said that that Coach Crean um, was mad at him. Yeah, because he, he was a crazy person. And he well, probably resented, like, oh, you, you're going to leave me? Well, and I don't like the idea that Mo heard rumors right. that he's only going to be playing 10 minutes a game. One— 
How do you decide that before you're even practicing with the players you have for that coming season? How is that decided? You know, if I'm a coach and it's a good thing I'm not for many reasons, but I don't think I'm deciding who's who's going to be starting the next game until like the practice before right. At least or the week, week of practice right. before. Right. So I think it's uh, maybe an indicative there of of something unhealthy in the culture that Mo knew it was time to get out of there because yeah. the program had just seen its peak under Coach Crane. Yes, and not to belabor the point, but a coach who offers scholarships to Grant Gilan and Max Hostel and Jeremiah Priel and Bawa Maniru. Tim Priller, God Tim, bless him. That coach to then basically make a concerted effort to make Maurice Creek, who busted his ass for four years, not feel wanted and to go through catastrophic injury after catastrophic injury is, uh, is unacceptable. It's it's not right. It's not what Indiana should be about. It's not what any Division One college basketball program should be about for a guy who did it the right way for four years. But that said, it staggers me how he's come out the other side and giving back to kids, coaching them at this camp that he, you know, trained at. And, well, and living the dream. I mean, I know yeah. there's a, a real... Uh, value placed on the NBA as the the greatest uh, group of basketball players on earth, but it's such a very small group, and there's so many great basketball players out there, and that they can get paid handsomely in Europe. And you know, he's already had these other experiences. Uh, now he's uh, sniffing around Italy and Israel and Greece, right. and he's like still in his late twenties. You know, it's like as much as I want to feel sorry for him for what he went through at IU, how can you not just be excited that like here's a 28, 29 year old guy making good money playing basketball in some of the coolest places on earth? That's that's not a bad way to end up after what he went through. It's amazing, and I'll just add with a limp. Still with a limp. Like that's crazy. But that's all I need to know about him. Right? Right? Yeah. He's a 30 year old, 29, 30 year old professional basketball player with a limp from when he was 18 years old. Yeah. That's balls. That's heart. That's everything you want. Adaptive behavior. You know, it had to change his game. Totally. Again, go, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't bring it up on the Jim Cruz interview, but Cruz talked about the 76 team, how Buckner and May and him, he's like, we weren't from Indiana. Yeah. And those are the, that's the greatest team that's ever played. Yeah. And there's all this talk about, we need Indiana kids. I love Indiana kids. Maurice Creek was an Indiana kid. That's it. I mean, okay? you, you bring it up with, with the guys we've had on here who came from out of state just as often as in state because Indiana and you're. You're Eric. You're from St. Louis. I know. I'm but not an Indiana kid. You are an Indiana kid. You're everything we want in an Indiana alumni. You're everything we want. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but but I, 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 when that kind of stuff comes up, it makes me think that when you hear him talk about how much he loved Indiana, what it was like to walk around the campus, how he just wants to go back and see what the campus is now, how much he just worked at it, how his family supported him, how he leaned on his teammates. God bless him. Like I'm so happy that Maurice Creek has his name in the IU record books and the the stat sheets, and that he wore the cream and crimson. Uh, the, I get like goosebumps listening to him tell the story. And when he was talking about his daughter, I mean, how can you not? It's uh, this podcast is really fun to do. 
It is. It is. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we do. Tell them where to get a hold of us. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics, no vowels and hysterics. Email us at HoosierHysterics at gmail.com for an email that I'm sure will never be returned. Here's the thing. Um, They're now being forwarded to my personal account. Oh, good. So I'll get them pretty much immediately now. Great. And Jeff Dix wrote a parody song. Yeah. Did that you? I, I need to, I, I started reading it, but I want to be listening to the actual song. We may we got to talk about what we're going to do with that thing. Yeah, but either Jeff way, Dix, Jeff, thank th- you, thank you for sending it. Um, and tell a friend, tell a two, friend, uh, another IU guy or two or gal or two if they're really crazy and obsessed with IU basketball like you are and like we are. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.